Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. We've been focusing on a series we've just entitled Capital J, Capital E, Capital S, Capital U, Capital S, Capital C, Capital H, Capital R, Capital I, Capital S, Capital T. You know, sometimes you think you have to redeem the obvious from the world, which turns that name into a curse. It is absolutely anything but a curse. In fact, there's nothing about that name that is a curse. Everything about that name is a blessing. Every which slice you want to look at that name, every which slice you want to break out of that name to understand it more deeply, you will find nothing but blessing. The blessing is up to us in the sense of choice. Whether we are actually living this way, experiencing him as he has been meant to be experienced or whether we continue to marginalize the power of our faith as Christians. It's easy in this culture to marginalize our own faith. And we can do that through things that we are not putting him truly in that center place. I want to explain to you three levels of living or of life for the Christian. Uh, We have been as people created with a certain, I'm going to use some uh, theological things here for you on this, but we have what is called an animal nature. That doesn't mean we're animals. I said we have an animal nature. Another word that's used you'll find is we have a beastly nature. And that is the flesh. The Bible identifies it as a flesh. Now, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. God created it. But it's something in us as a, as a level of life that you just pay attention to the needs of the body. And so that is the, the needs of the body. It's okay to serve those needs in healthy ways. We're not saying this is a bad thing. We're saying this is the lowest level of your creation. This is the idea that you have in you this body which is in a fallen state and it demands certain things and if it doesn't get it, then it can get rather ugly. The next thing we have is what we would call the mind or the mental nature that God has given us. That is so different from the animal uh, creation that you and I are aware of in that they don't think the same way that we are. We, we were created differently. We were created in the image of God. We were created with this incredible mind that we can actually process you know, complex things and we can have this connection that's deeper. Mental life is what rises us above this. And way high above it. Like we can actually take this area of our life and we can actually drive it in a way that we can become really knowledgeable, hugely knowledgeable. Um, the pursuit of knowledge is, is a big deal for us. Our learning, our ability to retain, our ability to take learning and apply, 
All of these things are a part of the giftedness of this mind that God has given you. This is another level of life in us. And this is where in a fallen state man lives. When we are disconnected from God, the third level doesn't even exist in the way that he's intended it to exist. This is where we do all of our living, is in this area. So everything you see pursued or is the top values of the world are gonna fall within these states. Every song that you pretty much outside of worship to God, every other song that you're gonna listen to, every poem that's ever written is written to these two areas. And that is just the expression of life. But it's a life without that intimate nature of God. So we're celebrating Christmas here. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. What is it that he actually came and brought? Well, we read about it over and over and over again. Akira said her favorite verse was John 3.16. I said throw up your mind too. It, it is because it's got the whole package. And that's why it's so powerful if we can get out of familiarity with it. But it just basically tells us that eternal life, which is a whole nother level of living, is accessible for those that believe on Jesus Christ. And so that introduces us to a whole different level of living. A life that is spiritually defined, that is a life that's brought to us, a life in us, given to us through Christ himself. It says in John 1, uh, starting in verse 3 to verse 5, listen to the scripture. Everything came into being through the word, Jesus, and without Jesus, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life. Life. He, he can't, see, what we must understand about the world without God, it's dead. Don't let that surprise you. Uh, what do we know about everybody in this room a hundred years from now? I'm sorry to shock you. If that shocks you, Okay, you need to get in touch with some realities. 100 years from now, everybody in this room, except a brand new little infant, and congratulations to you that we just saw, has a shot of breaking that. Maybe. 100 years. See, death is a part of this whole creation now because of sin. This world was dead in its sins. The Bible tells us that distinctly, directly. It, 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 it just states the full reality. Without God, there's nothing but death. Did you know the universe is dying? Everything is in entropy, which is the spiral of death. It's winding down, not winding up. And that is what rules this creation now that sin has come in. But Jesus Christ came, the son of the living God. He came, it tells us, to bring light or life. And then through that life, there's light that comes into the darkness. Well, what is darkness? Darkness is, is the result of sin. It is that which is out of the light of God. He came to bring life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. More or less his life, his life, this third level we're gonna talk about, trumps everything else. But you gotta have it. Psalm 23, six. 
Well, I, with the other testament, we spoke about the Lord being our shepherd. At the end of 11 traits of what a shepherd does for us is the big deal. It closes the very final verse of uh, Psalm 23, closes this way. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's the bottom line. That's the bottom line of the Christian faith. That's the bottom line is that this is the way of eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. The big deal even out of those three is life. How do you get to life? The way, the truth results in this life. Life. If it wasn't for eternal life, why would Christ actually be sent? Why would he come? He came to bring us eternal life. A whole different way of living, which is really fantastic. So basically we have the life of heaven coming into earth. The only place where light it can never be extinguished by the darkness is heaven. And now he's brought that same light to earth. And when you receive Christ as your Savior, he brings that light into your life. And you have a brand new born again creation. This is it right here. He said to Nicodemus, don't, don't, don't let it surprise you when I tell you that you've got to be both born of water and of the Spirit. You've got to be born again. Because you don't have this without Christ. So eternal life is the big offering, the big purchase, the big deal about our faith. Now we're going to learn some things about that, but let's talk about where it came from. Jesus came literally from heaven. There is a heaven. Let's talk about heaven really quickly. How many here have lost anybody this year? That's death. In heaven, it, that, that thing is absolutely conquered and it is the source of all of this eternal life. Let me start to read some scriptures as we go through here. In Ephesians 2.5, it says, he brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He's saying, we were dead. This was our existence and it would die. This beastly nature, it dies. The mental nature, it dies. He's saying, that dies because of sin. Then he says this, but very importantly, he says this to us. He brought us to life while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace. And look at this next scripture. And God raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus. You know, there's another version put this this way. He actually created and put us in a place in heaven, in Christ Jesus. And you say, well, when is that going to happen? It's happened. This is a stunning piece of information. It has already happened. This eternal life, when it comes into existence, cannot be snuffed out by darkness. This eternal life has put you into a place in heaven. So you have a place being reserved for you in heaven through Christ. 
And now you know why we can get excited a little bit about Christmas. God did this to show future generations the greatness of his grace by the goodness that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. We didn't deserve this place in heaven. You have, Christian, you have it literally a place in heaven. Literally. You don't deserve it. You, know, you can't earn it. You know all this. But you've been given this place. It is your place. And it's assured as Jesus uh, himself. It is him that has underlined and put exclamation marks upon this. And he does it to show off his great grace and the goodness of who he is. And it's all shown in Jesus Christ. So what is heaven? Well, let's just, I'm going to lay out a few things for you. It is a physical place. It's not a state of being. It's not like some um, ooh-la-la thing. It's not like, uh, you know, you found some kind of undefined, foggy nirvana. This is a real, physical place. Let's look at the scriptures. In John 14, 2, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. These are the words of Jesus talking to his disciples, preparing them for his cross and resurrection and preparing them for the message that they would be carrying to the world that they would now take the message of life. And he's saying, in my Father's house in heaven are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. You gotta tie this in with other theological knowledge. When Jesus was resurrected, he wasn't resurrected just in some spirit form. He was resurrected physically. It was a body that could be touched, it could eat. Yes, it had extraordinary capabilities that we caught a little window into when we saw some of the things it could do. But it was a body, it was physical. And when he says, I'm gonna go prepare a place for you, he's talking about a physical creation, a physical place. It is a physical place. And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. He's resurrected physical body to be with me that you also may be where I am. So somehow in heaven, you've got this idea of floating around in clouds eating Philadelphia cheese. (laughs) You got this idea that somehow you're gonna grow wings. No, you're not. Sorry, no wings. That's angels. You know, they got those things. You don't have wings. You want a model of what you'll be like? Look at Jesus after his resurrection. He tells you, he shows you. We're talking about a physical place. We are talking about not some kind of undefined thing, walking through fog and playing harps. Like, maybe in the right mood which would be really rare to listen to just heart music for endless time. This is not heaven. This is not heaven. We often get this idea of heaven being all white. It's like the clothes are white, you know, the clouds are white, the harp is white, the harp strings are white, Everything is white. 
created this planet? Aren't you glad there is white? But when you look around, aren't you thrilled with the majesty of the color? And aren't you blown away when you look at an ocean and you see the layers of the, of the colors in the ocean and you see the sky and you look at, did you notice the sky was beautiful today? You could see the mountains crisp this morning. Do you know what that tells us though? It's dropping in temperature, it's coming, okay. But it is beautiful. This is this creation and it's in a fallen state. This is not heaven. Heaven is not going to be like that. And it's physical. It has a location. It is a place that there is interaction back and forth between his creation. And he does this through the angelic things. Jesus himself comes from heaven. He is born amongst us. He brings life eternal, is resident within him. And he's about to pay the price for sins so we could have his life and be prepared for the place he's preparing for us. I don't know about you, but that kind of gets me kind of excited. And you take a look at death and all of a sudden, when you start understanding uh, heaven, you start realizing how death is just nothing. You know, th picture it this way. It's sort of like this. You see, eternal life, and this is something I want to really emphasize to you this morning. Eternal life is not something begins when you die. It begins when Jesus comes into your life. Because now you have his life in you. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I. This was the I. Yet it's not I. But Christ liveth in me. Right here. And the life I now live, I live by the power of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Where does the power of the Son of God reside? In you. When did it start? When you received Christ. So eternal life is already underway. So you think about a, a stream in the mountains. You know, it starts relatively small. There's a melt, and then it starts. And it just keeps getting wider and wider and wider and wider until finally it flows somewhere into an ocean or a sea that you cannot see across the horizon of. And it's like that with eternal life. It's already happening in your life and you're gonna get a fuller and fuller expression of that. And somewhere along that, death is simply you having something taken from you, the body which has all these hanger honors from all of this. We still battle these things here. But that's going to go. And then you're going to have a brand new body. You're going to have eternal life. And it's going to be the full expression of the gift of Christ. And it all began in Bethlehem. Amazing. Not only is it a physical place, it's a permanent place. It's going to last forever. 2 Corinthians 5.1. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in, if it's destroyed, that's death. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. God's preparing you a body. He's preparing you a place in a place. Now you know where all these old time songs come from, where they talk about mansions in heaven and they talk about, you know, you know, and then you, I'll have my little condo unit, you know. You say, seriously? I need to think about it that way. If you're not, you're not thinking right about the Bible and its teaching about Christ or thinking right about the teaching of Christ in your life. 
Christ in your life has brought eternal life to you. It is a gift of God to those that by faith put their trust in the blood of Christ. We talked about that last weekend. Now the next scripture I want to look at to you is found in Revelation and this brings it so clear. It's a reserved place for only God's family. Let's define this. In Revelation 21, 27 is a great verse. It says, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the book, in the Lamb's book of life. We talked about the Lamb last week. The shed blood of the Lamb. Now, this is now the Lamb's, now, but look at the title, book of life. There is a register in heaven that your name, if you have placed your faith in Christ, is in. Because it's the Lamb. It's his book of life. You just have to know whether your name's in it. How do I get that in there? How do I know it's in there? Don't come on your own merits because all you can come with is life from this way up. That's all you can bring. It's from this foundation up. You cannot bring it from here. That is the gift. That is the work of Christ. That is what he does. He is the lamb. And so he has this reserved place, this book. And he's saying that only those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life. So not everybody's going to be in heaven. Because it's their choice. We have a choice about how we come to God or whether we come to God. We have a choice. Here's what I will tell you. That wherever death finds you, that will be your state. And if death finds you with your name written in the Lamb's book of life because of the blood of Jesus Christ, that is your state. You have eternal life. If your name's not there, then God is going to say to you, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Jesus said, he warned directly, saying, there's going to be people that are going to stand before me one day and I'm going to say, I don't know you. Because the only way to be known, and he's talking about personally, He's talking about in relationship with him. He's talking about in communion and covenant with him. He's saying, I know you because we're in covenant together and that covenant is by my own blood and you've received that. You've gotten the mercy through the shed blood of the cross. You have received eternal life which was evident in the resurrection. Christmas. Life was brought it came into a world where there was nothing but death. So what is there in heaven? What's going to be there? And so on. It, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That's that covenant relationship. You love God by loving Jesus. You love God because that was God. God came in the flesh Emmanuel, God with us. And so you love God by loving Jesus and entering into that blood covenant with him. So what is there in heaven? It's saying, 
No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. It's sort of like, you know, like trying to understand things so far beyond us that we cannot put it there. He's saying, this is some place and there's things that you could not comprehend. You couldn't imagine. You can't even pull it into your imagination. That's why I know every movie about heaven is just... Imagine the Lord for all of this time. If he created in Genesis in six days what this stuns us still today in a fallen state. What do you think he's been doing for you? What do you think he's building? How glorious is this new creation that he's going to make and is making right now? Heaven is going to be a place where it's going to blow you away and you'll never have, oh yeah, I expected that. Oh, yeah. No, everything's going to be like, you can't take it in. You know that song at the end of, of, the, of the movie, uh, oh, C.S. Lewis's movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. At the end of that movie, they play that song, I can't take it in. I think it's called emojin, whatever. But I just can't take it in. You can't take it in. It's going to be glorious. And it's physical. Next, okay, let's keep moving through some learning where, where, what he has brought to us. And so what will we do? Oh, well, what you're going to do is you're going to wear white. You're going to be a pretty good floater. You just kind of like float over here, float over there. Jesus actually let us in on this. He actually let us in on this. In fact, there's so much. In, in just laying this out, you got, this could have been like seriously a six-month series because there's so much said in the scriptures about this. But here are some of the, here are some of the, the indicators that we have. First off, what will we do there? Well, we know we're going to be reunited with those who love Jesus. There's going to be a reunite. Some, you know, you lost people. If they are in Christ, then they have just shed this life right here, picked up where, what they had, and it's expanded, and they've moved on into the fuller expression of eternal life. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 then the rest of us who are still alive at the time will be caught up with them into the clouds to meet the master. Oh, we'll be walking on air and then there will be one huge family reunion with the master. In this world, if you really boiled it all down, what matters to you is people. That's why relationship duress is just the most painful things in life. Because what matters to you is people. That's why when we lose people, it is so heart-wrenching and so difficult is because we are based in relationship. We are created for relationship. And he's saying there's gonna be this massive family reunion. Who do you, gonna, who do you wanna see in heaven first? Christian, who do you wanna see? Who, you, you got it? Who do you wanna see? Maybe it's a loved one that's gone on before you. I, 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 to be honest, I want to look up my mom first, you know? Surprise, surprise. 
you know, I'll, I'll get to Paul and all those guys later. But I want to look up mom first because she was my Paul. She was my Peter. She was my Abraham. She was my Moses. She was my Jesus. She was the best picture I had of him. I, I, I'm going to look her up. Who do you want to see? Maybe it's one of the list of great characters in scripture or maybe it's somebody that you've lost just this year. And you know that they died in faith. They died in faith in Christ. Then you are going to have this great family reunion to look forward to. Now another thing we know is going to be a part of heaven is going to be we will be rewarded for our faith, our hope, and our love. In Colossians 3, 24, it says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance, you know what an inheritance is? comes from the Father. It's given. You don't earn it. It's an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The Bible talks about service and when we honor our faith and we carry out our faith, we carry out the love of our faith in our, in our marriages. We carry out the love of our faith. We carry out not, not just a, a love that's in the, this. You see, love, love can be pretty powerful even just in this means right here. But now we have a whole different source for love. And when you carry out the love of your faith, that love is rewarded in this world and in the next. God is going to reward you for this. He takes note of that. He even says, even down to giving a cup of water. You give a cup of water in, in my name, like you're doing it from here. It's a love act from here, not from here. Everything in your mind is saying, don't share. Don't give it. Everything in you is saying, I don't like this person. I don't want to be involved. But you give from here. Everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you are can grow and become better because it has found a whole new life to drive through all of those things. And he's saying, I'll reward you for it. Another one it, it, is, is this will happen for, for us also. We will be given the roles that we have been shaped for. A lot of people wonder, oh, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do in heaven? Well, here's, here's really a cool thing is that, see, God is shaped you not just for this planet. This is why it's such a waste when you don't receive Christ and give your life to Christ. He has shaped you for eternity. And you're going to have a full expression of all of the design of God that can only explode, in fact, into eternity. You're going to have that happen. Let me read a scripture for you to illustrate Jesus' teaching on this. Matthew 25, 21, it says, His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You might know that story. This is the story where it talks about a master that leaves uh, three men with different, different amounts of money. One is left with one talent of gold, I guess you would look at. Another is left with two. Uh, another is left with five. And then he goes away and he says I will return and uh, I will give an accounting with you on how you do and one just dug a hole put it in the ground they were afraid they were afraid this will never drive faith faith comes as a gift of God he didn't use faith he didn't live out who he was by faith he didn't challenge 
the what God made him to be. He didn't in any way take any risk on saying, well, you know what, if you gave me this, you must have put in me something that I can take and do something with this. No, he just said, ah, too uncomfortable. Fear makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to risk, uh, you know, put myself out there and then I fail. I don't want to risk failure. I don't want to risk this. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to put it in the ground. And then when the master returns, I'll give him what he gave me. How many know Jesus is not into getting back what, you gave, what he gave you alone? He's in investment. He's saying you multiply it. He gave them the shape in them. He gave them the tool of money to go do something with it. Only two did. So the other two go out and double their amounts. He's talking to the other two in this part when he says, well done. They had doubled it. Well done, good and faithful. Now here's the word, servant. Because they had right-sided their relationship with the master. The other one was not. The master was instead being made the servant of this one that put one in the ground. Because his fear would control everything that the master had given him. Both in shaping him and in what he put in his hand. That's why he was so hard on him. But that's why he also so blessed the others. There's going to be people in heaven and it talks about in Corinthians that they get there but they didn't build up much. Saying your works are going to be tested. Tested with, with fire. If they are precious gems and gold and silver it comes out better. If they are not if it's wood, hay and stubble it's burned up. But it, it speaks about this. But you'll be there but you might smell like smoke. You know? It's the idea that you did nothing with what he gave you. And Christian, wake up here. The great tragedy is for you to have this eternal life driving the core of your whole future, but you live for the current world. Everything in your management systems and stewardship is geared to this world and not preparation of the next. You are not living your relationships out of the eternal life that he has given you. You are not living your finances. You're not living your gifts, your talents. You're not living your time and energies out of this core. Christian, wake up. The birth of Jesus illustrates how committed God is to us. He expects commitment back. It's called investing what he gives us. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I gave you just a little bit, really, guys. Here's the result. I will put you in charge of many things. He's talking about our return to heaven. When he comes and takes us home, we read that earlier. Imagine this. He's gonna say to you, when you get out there and you start living and investing out of this driver of his life in you, when you start doing that, he's gonna take note of that and he's gonna say, you've been a good servant with the little bit that I gave you, come and share your master's happiness. He's saying, you come on in, let's get this really, let's, let's just let the big party begin. Now here's one thing again about eternal life I wanna really emphasize today. It starts now. If you're a Christian waiting, like you see your life sort of in this waiting zone of, well, right now I'm living my life here. And then one day eternal life's going to kick in. You are not biblical. Jesus in you is eternal life. You right now 
have the beauty and the potential of living out of that life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, right now, I'm living my life by faith in the Son of God that he's done this. I have a whole new way of life. I am a new creation and creature right now. Let me read you a scripture that's based from Paul talking to a protege of his, Timothy. And he's giving him really kind of the last, can I say, great counsel. And all through there, in fact, these two books, First and Second Timothy, contained on, at, at every ordination service, you're going to find these two books are going to be the source of ordaining men and women into a recognized position and hold on the call of God on their life to lead the flock of God. But here it's for all of us. In First Timothy 6.12, it says this, compete in the good fights of faith. Do something with the talent. Do something with the shape he gave you. Grab hold of eternal life. Do you see that? He's saying, not one day, so that one day you'll have it. He's saying, grab hold now. You grab hold of eternal life in you. You were called to it. You made a good confession of it in the presence of many witnesses. Let me break that down a little bit. He's saying, Christian, you're in a competition right now. And that competition is found right at this border in you. There's a challenge. There's a battle. And that battle is between that life of Christ in you that exists now, that you can live in, that you can give fuller expression to, that you make a hundred decisions a day on the flow of where you come from in life. And he's saying, this is where the battle line is and you're going to have all kinds of challenges but I am telling you to grab hold of eternal life in you. So when we love differently than this nature can produce, when we forgive differently than this nature can forgive, when we apply ourselves to good, righteous living which this nature does not friend or befriend when we make choices in our life that we know that this nature wants to just rule us and take us down to self-gratification or a self-centered way of doing life in relationships and resources when we just practice out of this we are neglecting the greatest life the greatest gift that you've received because of Bethlehem is Jesus life itself and he says I want you to compete at that border. I want you to compete in the good fight of faith. Faith that yes, there's a heaven. Faith that yes, Jesus is alive and risen. That one day you will be with him. Faith that says no matter what I am up against, he will give me what I need. He is enough. We will get through this. We will transcend this. Next scripture is 1 Timothy 6, 19. When, the, when they do these things, he's talking, just before this, I have to give you a context, he's talking to people with wealth. That which is everybody in this room in world standards, by the way. 
Just is. And he says, and he tells them, don't sell your life cheap here. Don't do it. He says, when they do these things, where he's saying, you've got all this, but that's not your life. You don't let that resource this way of living. You don't let that be the, the, the powerhouse that reinforces that you can live this way. This is the great tragedy of wealth is it provides you a power to live more fully in here, thereby neglecting the more important life. When they do these things, they will save a treasure for themselves that is a good foundation for the future. He's saying when you live out of here, you live in a righteousness that is found in Christ that builds relationship, not tears down. Forgiveness is brought. Love is deepened. Peace is encouraged. Where you are always working for what you know God wants. When you are stewarding your life, when you're taking how you've been shaped, when you're taking the resources in your hand and you are saying, God, these are yours, I am yours, I am totally yours. We sang it here. We just, last song we sang. I am totally yours. Really? Because if you are, here's the great news. You will save a treasure for yourself that is a good foundation for the future. Heaven, that that way they can take hold of what is truly life right now. You want real life right now? Jesus said in John 10, he said, I come to bring you life, but life more abundantly. What's he talking about? He's saying, I didn't come to reinforce this. I came for a brand new life, a brand new creation. When Jesus split the darkness and the light on his arrival, when that seed was placed in a virgin's womb and the plan was about to emerge of eternal life being brought to us, not us finding it, it's being brought to us. When that happened, you got a whole new way to do life. Now I want you to think for one moment, where in your life is you know, hey, I'm living basically from this bottom and up. I'm not living from here up. I'm living from there up. Is it relationally? You'll know it. You look for these markers, self-centeredness, practicing all kinds of practices. We all have areas to grow. What do we mean by growth? Just in my mind? You do recognize that you can know more than you actually do. You can know it's not right for me to. This would be harmful if I. But that knowledge doesn't provide any power. The power <clears throat> of living comes out of this because it's God alone in us. Where are you living from there? <clears throat> I'll tell you how you spot the other one. Humility. You're always in touch. You're in touch with how this is such a foundation of grace that he has got for you. You're in touch with your weakness and know without Christ. Like Paul said, oh my gosh, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he said, 
thereby that, it, that I would be going that direction if it wasn't for the grace of God. He's recognizing this humility that says, oh, this is such a gift. Oh God, I'm so grateful. I am so thankful. I'm going to practice differently. I'm going to resource my life out of this. I'm preparing for eternity. I'm turning these things to serve this. These will serve this. I will not get the math perfect every day, but I will continue in a state of humility so that the math can improve every day. Did you catch that? You may not get the math. No, let me change that. You will not get the math always right. That's not what we're worried about right now. What you need to look at as a believer is if I have the humility in place so that I get the math better. So what's going to be the root and the source of your relational world? What's going to be the root and the source of all your resource world? What's going to be the root and the, 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 root and the source of your, how you've been shaped and the stewardship of all of that? How is that going to flow from? Where is it? Is it going to just hear up? For the Christian, it's hear up. You've been given the gift of the life of Jesus Christ. Now you learn to live it. You learn to live it because he has brought you new life. You just look up the word life and you'll find the New Testament loaded with this attached to the Christian faith. You are a new creature. You are born again. You have a brand new life. Those that have received me have received life. All of this is so plain. And if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then you have the Lamb's life. Because it's a book of life. So Christmas is a challenge. Jesus Christ brings life. Nothing else does. This is all death. That's what we know this world ends in. That's what we know we end in. But for the grace of God, there go everybody. But what Jesus did by taking upon uh, the role of lamb, dying for our sin, he now has brought life to you and I that is not based on you or I. It is him. And all we do is place our trust and faith in him as our lamb, that he forgives us, that he is the Lord of all creation, and that he is there to prepare for you the the, the eternity that he has promised to all. And that eternal life begins the moment that you open your life to Jesus Christ. So today, where's your life being sourced from in your relationship? Where's your life being sourced from in your stewardship of your whole life? That's the growth. That's where we grow. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ, you're where we all start in this thing. We're in a world that dies. Jesus is the way, the truth, and then he said the life. And it's repeated innumerable times that it is through him 
that you receive eternal life. Back to John 3.16 to close for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever. Don't discount yourself. You're in the whoever. That whoever believes on him shall not perish. He's saying, I break this curse. I don't bring a curse. I break them. You're under the curse of death. But I offer you new life. I offer you eternal life. And it comes from just placing your trust and your faith in me, he says. If you've never received Jesus Christ, then you still need to internalize what Christmas is. Christmas is God loving us, God coming to us, God actually dying for us, and we place only our faith and trust in a lamb that shed his blood for us to pay the penalty of our sins, which condemned us, cursed us to a life from here up. You've got a choice to make. You can open up a whole new life. You can open up a whole new way of doing life. You can have a whole different layer that you're living life out of. Not just someday I have a ticket to heaven. You can live with God in your life, giving you what you need to manage and to become something to the glory of his name that he will reward you for. The life that you live. But it's a step of faith. Here's the funny thing about faith. I get a kick out of it. People say, I just, you know, I struggle with faith. You know what? You can throw that one out if you want. But you use faith all the time. You use faith more than anything else in your life. How many of you looked at the four legs of the chair they just sat on? You use faith. How many at the intersection use faith that, you know, if, if, if I'm going through this green light, they're going to stop at the red light? Now that's a real exercise of faith. You exercise faith. You exercise faith all the time, but you trust things. Because that's what faith is. Now here's the cool part about faith. When it comes to believing in God, he has given us all kinds of reasons to believe in him, talking with the natural creation and seeing, seeing his creation. We can see it in ourselves. You've heard his whispers. You have felt his direction. You have even felt a presence that you would say, well, you know, there's something. I'll tell you, it is something. And it's the Lord. And the Lord has been calling you for some time. But here's the thing about faith. He actually gives us faith. To every man, it says, a measure of faith has been given. Do you remember the one, two, and five people from the story of the talents? Just make that talent faith. What are you doing with it is what counts. What are you placing it in? Well, I have faith in myself. That's the worst place to put faith because you know how bad you fail. Hello? Well, I have faith in myself that, you know, uh, I can make this relationship work no matter what, anytime. I got all the resources. Ha! Get past day one of marriage or parenting. You don't have it. How many have ever had a child disappoint them? Don't raise your hand. They might be sitting beside you. 
And, and if they disappointed you, why didn't you stop it? How many have had a kid make wrong decisions? Don't raise your hand. How many here have made wrong decisions? You want to put faith in yourself? You want to put faith in others? You want to put faith in everything but God? And I'll tell you why. Here's the big reason. We like being God. That's why we struggle with faith in God. Because we feel somehow more in control, even if it's faith in a failing me, than a faith in a loving God. I call you to respond to the call of God in your heart and receive Jesus Christ. Because when you receive Jesus Christ, you're gonna come alive in a way that is not possible without him. And it is the way of eternal life. And you will learn and you will grow through all the challenges of surrendering all the time as much as you can learn and as quickly as you can, but don't worry about the quickness, just stay on trail. You're gonna learn how to practice an eternal life that rules these things and gets these things which bring the torment and the emptiness and the brokenness of our lives into increase. This will begin to rule these. And it starts with grace and peace between you and God. And now you and God don't need to be at each other. Now you can walk together with him. Now you've got Christ in you. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith. In the Son of God. Who loved me. And gave himself for me. What a life, I don't know about you, but I'm excited more about the Christian life and living it now than ever before after I just refreshed myself on all of this. It's just amazing. So now I'm thinking, okay, honey, I'm gonna be a little, I'm reaching a little deeper between, you know, Linda and I. I mean, she is the perfect woman, but there are certain times. So <laughs> there's times, you know, if I just kind of let it, let our relationship rule from here up, I get nasty. It's hard to believe. But when I dive deeper with the Lord and I say, oh Lord, everything in me wants to rule, but you're gonna rule. So a cup of water. Darling, here's a cup of water. Son, here's a cup of water. Friend, here's a cup of water. Enemy, here's a cup of water. Where did it come from? No, no, I just reached to his life. I just reached to his life. In me. That's astounding. His, your life. His life. In me. Here's a cup of water. Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> Fathers, we bow our heads before you. I just pray your Holy Spirit will just seal in our hearts the amazing things that we've just gone over. Jesus Christ, the life that was brought to be the light we are in darkness. We are, Lord, in a world of darkness. We are in a world where death rules all things, even physical creation and universe. It is all going to die. It is dying. 
Lord, we know this. And yet we put everything into this life. To serve the body. And to serve the prides of the mind. Lord, when we as Christians get caught in this, I just pray that your challenge will go deep in our hearts and we will just once again find ourselves finding that humility before you and say, oh Lord, I've been acting proudly. Forgive me. And I just reestablish my feet and my roots in your life in me. I humbly acknowledge this weakness. If you're here today and never committed your life to Christ, you've never received Jesus Christ, you got more than enough information today to know of the benefits and what weights. You've learned about heaven. You have learned about where only life can be found. You know uh, by our science today that everything is in death spirals. We know all of this, but Lord, you have put away the curse. And Lord, I pray for hearts right now that they'll just find that courage to use the faith given to respond. If you want to respond to Christ, here's a little prayer that you can pray in the quietness of your own heart. It is important to tell somebody that you made this prayer and commitment. You saw people stand up publicly and in water declare that they have received forgiveness through Christ's blood. They have declared their intention to live and steward out that life in them for the rest of their life as it expands and drops off this body and moves on to the fuller expression of eternal life. All you need to do is exercise faith. And then faith shapes reality. Here's a prayer. You borrow it. Father in heaven, I want to be one of your family, your eternal family. I want this life. I want that eternal life, that gift that only comes through Jesus. So I confess that right now my sins separate me from you. And I can only live from the mind to the animal nature. That's how I exist. I want you, Lord, to come into my life. I need mercy for my sins. I receive it from you. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior from my sins, the Lord of my life, my existence. And I welcome your life in me. Forgive me and heal my heart and teach me your ways and how to live out of a brand new life, a brand new creation, a brand new creature. 
In Christ's name I pray this. Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.